0: You know, neat uh, to be able to, you know, introduce Tom and uh, hand him his award last night for the Sports Person of the Year for Sports Illustrated. I'm gonna be a presenter probably. You know, after this is all said and done, I'm just working. That's why I came back to football so I can work on my presenting skills. That's, That's what I'm really doing. I think
1: so many of these systems are set up. They're just on repeat too. You know those cycles. I think I look at my career right. 22 years. There's. Not anyone that's played my position at my age, and, and I think the only way that I've been able to do that
0: is to do things. Ah, you're still looking like a 25-year-old. Uh, I goat? wish. I now wish. You are. <laughs> I just shaved.
1: So I was very um. I would you in grow touch- a beard like that, Tom? I just shaved My Mine was great. You know, because 'cause I'm around 22-year-olds at uh, 22-year-olds all day, and I got you know, I don't want my gray beard.
0: But I love Sadhguru's beard. That's a. <laughs> it it's shows a lot of wisdom. But you, you know, I had. Mean-
1: you know i find it somewhat amazing miles that tom brady would have gray in his beard when there isn't a single gray hair anywhere to be seen on his head it's quite a (laughs) disconnect i don't understand much about genetics and yeah. The discoloration of follicles, and but it I really is amazing to me to think he's got a gray beard when he does not have a single gray hair on his
2: head. I, that is vexing to me. That's a very inappropriate joke that I'm not going to say. But I actually will say this: when I saw Tom Brady in now, person, no, I have at a to know what it is. No, I'll tell you in the break. <laughs> when I saw Tom Brady in his press conference at SoFi Stadium, there was some gray on the sides of his head. So I was like, wow, Tom Brady really is getting older. So maybe he just has dyed it now for when he's definitely on camera. Yeah, you can't really see it there, you know, but I'm telling you, like, there was gray at least when I saw him in person. So maybe he he dyes it well, a little bit or his hair just doesn't quite, you know, show in the light in the, you know, non-HD cameras or whatever it is. But there's some there, Mike, I can assure you.
1: And it also is capable of being touched up, too. It's possible you need yeah. a little oil change on the day that you saw it. Look, I, I don't care. <laughs> well, guys, I don't care. I don't care. My, my my wife would say, why do you care? I I just... I, 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 I don't know. I, I kind of care and I kind of don't care. Like, you can do whatever you want, but right. I think something like that is fair game. Like, ordinarily, it's not appropriate to comment on someone's appearance. But when you're choosing to alter your appearance with chemical agents that make your hair darker than it naturally is. And some will say, well, this is the pot calling the hair dye kettle black. My hair is not dyed. There was a point where I experimented to try to hold it in place. It's been years ago. And I decided after a couple of years of trying to hold it where it was, this is not going to end well. Because what happens is, as you hold it in place, the rest of your body ages, and you eventually are old dude with black hair doesn't work doesn't work Uh so i i'm I'm very fortunate that this led lighting in here doesn't expose the extent of the gray that i have because trust me it's there and if i did shave or did not shave as the case may be there definitely would be a santa claus vibe going on so uh Mm. anyway i can relate to tom brady on that point and that's probably the only thing we have in common so how did we get down that rabbit hole
2: you started it man. I don't know. I just, I just say the salt and is here and we're in effect. Let's go.
1: I would say the next line if I remembered what it was. That's from Push It I want though. Want you to push it 1986 yeah, on, 7. Push it. I think
2: I, uh okay, there.
1: here we go. It's before uh, I was born yeah, by the way. I, oh, I know. I'm I'm quite aware. September <laughs> 28,
2: 1991. Is that what it was? There you go. Well done. Yes. Go. All right. Good job. Well done.
1: I kind of threw a dart. I remembered it was somewhere between the 20th and the 30th, and we eventually had some inside sources let us know when it was so we could expose the day that you turned 30. Okay, let's get to it. Speaking of a guy who was 30 a long time ago but still thinks like he is, and I respect that, Tom Brady. We played that clip from his podcast, Let's Go, for a couple of reasons, one of which is I listened to the entire thing, all 59 minutes. I wanted to see on Brady's. Homegrown platform where he and Jim Gray go back and forth on issues regarding the team and the league and, you know, every week. Well, the biggest story in the league right now, at least as of when that was recorded and as it relates to the Buccaneers particularly, is the fake vaccination card scandal in Tampa. Three guys had shown up with fake cards. Two of them were still on the team. They're suspended three games each. They've served one game in the suspension, and one of them is Antonio Brown, a guy that Tom Brady had to have. And there's a question as to whether or not the Buccaneers are going to bring him back when the suspension ends. They could cut him. Seems to be a relevant topic. Seems to be a topic of interest. Not mentioned in any way, shape, or form. Not even to reiterate the kind of canned answer that he had on Sunday when he was asked about it At the postgame press conference after they beat the Falcons, he said, I focus on my job and guys get injured, guys aren't available for a bunch of different reasons. I can't worry about that. I have to focus on my job. At least repeat that. But it was very odd to me, Miles, that a full hour went by without Tom Brady offering any comment on what is one of the biggest stories in the NFL right now and a shocking situation where it's possible the Buccaneers are being treated unfairly because there's no way that there's no other fake vaccination cars and the NFL isn't inclined to go find them.
2: Did you uh, listen to that one on like full speed or did you like speed it up to like double time, 1.5 time because you know, you wanted to actually be a little more efficient with it. Cause I like, that's a, I honestly, I kind of feel like you might deserve a gold star for sitting through 59 minutes of that podcast. Just to listen for that.
1: I don't know how to speed it up or I
2: would. Oh because Mike, a- I got to teach you. That's okay. Yeah.
1: I don't know that I would like that. Look, I like to have <laughs> something on while I work like background noise and it was either that or like sports center or the news or whatever and it's like "Ah, i'll just i'll listen i was curious i was curious and actually the guest they had on said guru i think is his name i that guy had some nuggets that were very inspiring and helpful to me so it was worth the hour that i put into it i went there looking for information about antonio brown and i found enlightenment but not enough to get (laughs) me to shut up about either my criticism of Tom Brady's failure, cowardly failure to talk about Antonio Brown or his personal grooming habits. I wasn't that sufficiently enlightened.
2: I guess not. Look, I mean, I don't really know why you expected him to be able to or not to be able to, but just to address in general the Antonio Brown situation. I mean, like, I, I don't because... When he's on his own platform, then he's only going to talk about the stuff he wants to talk about, right? And that's pretty clearly something, based on the answer he gave in the post-game press conference the other day, that, that he just doesn't really want to talk about. And furthermore, I think it might be something that he and Bruce Arians and maybe the PR staff or whatever it is, they've all kind of come together and said, like, listen, we're not necessarily going to try to address this publicly other than what Bruce Arians said at the beginning of his press conference last week, where he was like, yeah, I'm not talking about this. And then, you know, we had to bleep him because he said there's more important stuff going on than that. Right. So I think that you know, when you talk about like Brady and what his own platform is, of course he's not really going to talk about this because this is something that frankly he could get criticized for. And I, he, I mean, Tom Brady, because it was really him that, was pushing Antonio Brown to get to this team in the first place and then Tom Brady let Antonio Brown stay at his house for a period of time when Antonio Brown was trying to get acclimated to the Buccaneers so I just I'm not surprised at all that he didn't really want to say anything very public about Antonio Brown at this point because what are you going to say that is going to at least be positive in the discourse of the public when it's somebody that's literally faking a vaccine card, which technically is a federal offense.
1: Right. And I understand what you're saying. I guess the reason that I, I wanted to discuss this in this format and wrote about it at PFT, we're kind of Gradually becoming numb to the idea that the people who are the subject of interest in the sports world are creating their own platforms for delivering their truth, their preferred version of the truth, which allows them to avoid the topics that they'd rather not discuss. And there is a certain irony to the fact that Jim Gray, who once immolated Pete Rose on national TV at a time when many thought it was inappropriate for him to go after him the way he did. He's just throwing up softballs and he didn't even throw up a softball on this question of the Antonio Brown situation. It was forbidden. It was not coming up. And I just hope that the audience is astute enough and willing to say, you know what, we got a lot of choices out there. We we got a lot of different things we can spend our time on. And we're going to be very judicious about subscribing to and listening to a podcast where we're getting whatever the guy feels like telling us about and he's not going to to delve into the issues that he should be talking about that are particularly relevant to his team because when he does it that way he's less likely to appear on other platforms where he may be asked a question that presses him a little bit that forces him to address the issue so between his podcast and between twice per week press conferences with a group of reporters who are going to tiptoe on eggshells to a certain extent because that's their beat. That's what they do. They don't want to piss off the people that they cover all the time. And I understand, I'm not being critical, but you're never going to get Tom Brady in a setting where somebody's going to ask him questions that are even 2% of the intensity of the questions that Jim Gray posed to Pete Rose all those years ago. And that's unfortunate because sometimes you need robust and aggressive and fair and respectful questioning, not like what we saw the other night with the Bills game when they asked. The players, if they were embarrassed by their performance, there's a way to ask pointed questions that get to the truth, that provide balanced coverage, and that draw out more information about things we're interested in. And and frankly, I, I, I'm I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right there. I, I don't oh, want to no, dig no. the hole any deeper than I, I'm trying, but I'm trying. I think that I think that we need to be very diligent at this juncture in our coverage of sports, where Aaron Rodgers can go to a friendly environment every Tuesday and say whatever he wants. Now, in a roundabout way, that's actually good for us because he's so comfortable in that environment, he says things that he shouldn't. Tom Brady's not quite there yet. He's not so comfortable with Jim Gray that he completely lets his guard down and airs grievances and creates content that we can say, I can't believe he said it. So, Aaron Rodgers, we appreciate what you're doing, but generally, I just don't like the practice of the people that we're interested in hearing from, being the ones who produce the content, where they're the subject of it, because you're never going to get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth that way. That that's that's my position on it, and I'm going to show. Well,
2: up well, right. No, I I think that what you're saying makes total sense, but I also think that you know this is sort of the environment that we live in at this point, and it's only going to continue. I mean, I, frankly, look, I I used to. But we to don't have to just accept it, Miles. Producer. We don't have to say. Well,
1: we don't have no. to just say that's it. We just have to deal with it. We can still say we don't like it. I don't like yeah, it. I understand absolutely. we have to deal with it. I don't like it.
2: No, right. But I don't think that that's going to change it in any way because this is where this is where the, the business is going, right? We have players who want the friendliest media personality possible to ask them questions that are softballs. And so then we kind of need the press conferences and the other media acts. In order to have reporters that are real journalists, right, actually asking these players questions. It's one of the issues that has come up now with not having real locker room access or not having real any access to players beyond press conferences, because when you're in the locker room and you can have a side conversation with somebody, that's how you start to establish and build trust with players. And that's how you can go into a locker room. And then you ask a more critical question after a game, because they, the player's going to know, Hey man, like this person, is just trying to get at the truth. They're not just trying to embarrass me. And this is just kind of what the cycle is right now in our COVID environment. But I think furthermore beyond that, just like taking a bigger picture view of it, I worked for the Los Angeles Rams and for the Carolina Panthers covering those teams. And for a lot of people, you know, it's very hard to not just work for a team and then write about the team, but you can't always be critical of what those teams are Doing when you're writing for the team, it's the same conversation that we were having, you know, via text about a different reporter earlier today, right? Where if you're covering the league for the league, you can't do the same things that you would be doing if you're working for a place, a, a, a different media outlet. So I just I understand why Tom Brady's doing what he's doing. I understand your perspective of what you're saying, and I, I agree with you that we need to be able to have reporters journalists. Right. And I would just frankly say that I was not really a journalist while I was working for those teams. Right. Like, I mean, we can say whatever we want. Like maybe I was a reporter, maybe I wasn't. But if you're being paid by the entity that you are covering, you're not really a journalist. So I'm a journalist now. And I guess I was when I worked for the Las Vegas Review Journal. But I, I like there is a huge and clear difference there. And that's why it's more important to have more access. So we really do have an opportunity to get at what is the truth.
1: Thanks, uh, and we had that uh, that conversation earlier today via text regarding Mike Silver, some comments he had on Tim Callacomi's podcast, and I'm going to write something about it at PFT. And this isn't an attack on Silver per se. This is an attack on, and it's not really an attack. It's a comment on I mean, attack, what right? happened yeah. when. It's 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 just it, you know it's the reality we operate in now when leagues and teams offer employment to reporters, and those reporters accept the employment because frankly, and look, Miles, again, I don't know what label to apply to somebody who takes a paycheck from Stan Kroenke to cover the Rams, takes a paycheck from David Tepper to cover the Panthers, or from any of the owners of the teams to cover the teams. I don't know what that is. And it's the either. same situation when you take a check that is signed literally by Roger Goodell to cover the NFL. Yeah. And uh, S- Silver made a great point. And he talked about how within the walls of the National Football League during the Ray Rice scandal, there was a sense that this could bring the whole house down. Now that doesn't mean the NFL ceases to exist; it means everybody's gone in leadership. New commissioner, new everything, complete turnover of the upper reaches, and then it trickles down as other people come and go. And he said that when you're on the air, then talking about Ray Rice, it's the equivalent of working for Procter and Gamble appearing on Procter & Gamble TV, live from Procter & Gamble Studios, talking about a major corporate scandal that threatens to take out the leadership of Procter & Gamble. And once you take that job, that's what you're signing up for. And this is similar. I mean, people may say, what the hell? Why does this matter? This is all part of who it is that's giving you their opinions, their takes, the, 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 the reporting. The, the stories that you can and can't talk about, the things that I say that sometimes piss off the league. If I worked for the league, I couldn't say those things. And Silver's attitude was, well, if I'm going to go work for the league, I have to dial it back some. Well, you don't have to go work for the league. That, that's your solution. If you want to be true to who you are, and fundamentally what this is about is authenticity, originality, and truth. I guess that's why I'm banging this drum and people can say, well, it's easy for you to say it because you don't have to go find a job. And that's true. I don't have to go find a job. I own my platform. I built my platform. I don't have to worry about how am I going to pay my bills or put my kid through school or whatever the case may be. It's a tough choice when the job's out there. But, you know, the reality is once you take that job, you're, you're, you're no longer a journalist. I don't know what you are at that point. And it was interesting to hear Mike Silver talk about it. It dovetails back to this Tom Brady thing. He's setting the right. agenda. He's deciding what he's going to talk about. And Jim Gray is not going to ask him about anything that he tells Jim ahead of time. I don't want to talk about this. And I suspect there was a conversation between Gray and Brady. We're not talking about the fake vaccination cards
2: sometimes you don't even need that conversation, right? I mean, I, from my experience in working for teams, there's just sometimes you have to know what you are and are not going to address in certain situations. And, you know, I was saying this to you earlier, Mike, like I had a pretty long leash with the Rams, but that doesn't mean that there weren't subjects that I knew I really shouldn't touch. 2016, for example, right? You have a lot of reporters who were saying, hey, man, is this the end of Jeff Fisher's tenure with the Rams? What are they going to be able to do with that? And as the team reporter, you're not going to say that. You're just not. Because if you do, then you're jeopardizing your own job and your own paycheck. And, you know, at that point, I was what, like 25 or so years old. I couldn't just go out there and, you know, find another job. It's not that easy. You know, as they said, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I'm going to shake the job tree and just find a lot of jobbies out there. <laughs> it's,
0: that's not necessarily
1: the way
2: things work. So I, I you know, you said, well, what do we call these people? I don't know. They called me senior writer slash team insider with the Rams. And maybe that's just what we need to call these people, league insiders, insider, like team insiders. Don't, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Uh, like all of this stuff is interconnected because you know it's not even oh, won't someone rid me of this meddlesome priest? You, you just you know what you can and can't address a lot of times in these situations.
1: You could call them PR staff as well. I mean, frankly,
2: frankly, yeah. I mean, I wasn't it, in the PR. It's glorified. It's glorified
1: yeah. PR. No, it but but it, it is. is. If you're gonna it if is. you're gonna limit in any way what you say or what you write, and you just know that goes with the territory. It's kind of the right. unspoken, unwritten rule of working there you're kind of an extension of the PR department. And again, no, there's no law against teams and leagues creating and disseminating their own content. But here's what happens. When the leagues and the teams become accustomed to being covered by people who will not speak the hard truths and ask the tough questions, they get even more pissed off when someone does. It makes it harder yes. for the people who are independent like us to try to get to the truth because they're spoiled by the fact that they own the media that covers them. And uh, hey, hey, look, I, when, when you work for a broadcast partner, it's not always easy and you got to be ready to get a little pushback. And I give NBC a mountain of credit for dealing with the complaints that come from time to time and they do and sometimes you know the third rail is there and i see it and i know it's there and i jump on it sometimes i trip over and don't even realize i did it's far more gratifying when i intend to do it but it happens (laughs) and uh and it's going to keep happening because i'm not going to deprive the the entity that i regard as my primary client the audience from what the truth is and what I believe the truth to be and what it should be. And it's all part of a goal, too, to make the NFL better. People say, why do you hate the NFL? I don't hate the NFL. I'm trying to make the NFL better. I'm trying to make it an entity that does the right thing all the time, that treats its players the right way all the time, that treats its employees the right way all the time, that is truly, truly focused on the integrity of the game and not creating the impression that it's focused on the integrity of the game, that's willing to spend the money necessary to make the game as good as it can be so we all can enjoy it, so we don't have these issues. Now, frankly, frankly, if they did everything I wanted them to do, I don't know what the hell I would talk about. So I guess thank you for not doing these things, right? But, but that, that's, that's the goal. And, and when you're on the payroll, you can't have that kind of a voice.
2: No, it, you're right. Yes. But I think the difference in like what you can do and the way you can do things and other folks, like including, frankly, myself, is like you said, you, you own the platform, right? Not a lot of us have that luxury. And, you know, it's just something that some of us have to deal with, right? We have to be able to pay our rent and like, you know, pay, send kids to school and do all those other things that you were mentioning earlier. And I think that like that is kind of the primary difference between what you say and what you do and how much that you listen i'll say this too nobody could love the league or excuse me nobody could not love the league and like love not love football and do what you do every day you know what i mean mike like jesus here you're, you're up every morning talking for two hours about football you write about football all day and you do take a nap but then you come back on the air and then you talk football for another hour and then you work all weekend like I, I just have not known you to take much of a day off and I've been working here for now over a year so obviously you love football but I just there's there's a difference between what you can do and what others can do in terms of like covering the league and especially if you are working for the league or for a team and covering the league or that team
1: and I guess to bring it back home And we've completely destroyed our outline for today, but that's fine. Yeah, we have. We We own the platform. We can can talk about we can talk about whatever we want. But to bring it back home, the more that we see teams, leagues, and individual players create and control the content, the harder it is for those of us, and this is my message to the audience, they're making it harder for us to tell you the truth. Because they're never going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They're going to tell you their preferred version of the truth they want you to buy. That's my entire point in raising what was fairly obvious. Tom Brady's not going to talk about Antonio Brown. Well, why didn't he? Why shouldn't he? And how does that impact you, the audience, in your effort to get to the truth? And
2: well, that, how does it also honestly. impact the Tampa Bay—well, you may be dumb, I'll, I'll say this one thing, too. How does it also impact the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the rest of the league as a whole, if we don't have Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times going and doing the actual journalism, the actual reporting here for this story— that then broke with Antonio Brown and not just Antonio Brown, but two other players having fake vaccine cards. That's why it's important to not just have the league entity, the team entity covering exactly what the team is, right? Because if we don't have that kind of independent journalism, this is not necessarily just for sports. This is for society as a whole. We don't have that the the truth seekers and the truth finders then there's something that's going to be lacking, not just from the NFL and from different teams and all that, but from society as a whole. So now I guess we can move on, Mike.
1: Well, you make an excellent point. And I want to applaud Rick Stroud for his efforts to get to the truth because I suspect he took a lot of crap from the Buccaneers after he reported that story. And I suspect he's had a hard time getting people on the phone from the team that he covers because he reported that story. And he was right. And if I, I look at it this way, if somebody who works for Buccaneers.com had been approached by Stephen Ruiz with his story about Antonio Brown having a fake vaccination card, I don't think it would have been pursued. I don't think Ruiz would have been interviewed. I don't think there would have been a story at Buccaneers.com where Ruiz alleges that Antonio Brown had a fake vaccination card. And that's the fundamental difference between Media that is bought and paid for by the entity that the media covers and truly independent media. And and it did have an impact on the Buccaneers. Antonio Brown would currently be able to play. Mike Edwards would be able to play. The NFL would not have had to deal with this if, if they just simply hadn't reported it in the Tampa Bay Times. And that's why it's important to have independent sources of information or the truth does get buried every time it's inconvenient for those within the NFL bubble that would rather it be not available for us to see all right um there's a new procedure that was communicated to the teams in a memo dated october 27 ish of this year and i I started to look into it a little bit and it was it was part of a memo that had various other changes to the interview process for coaches some rooney rule changes and other things of that nature and I do a lot of local radio and it's started to come up, especially in the markets where they're thinking that their coaches are going to get fired like Chicago. So I went back and found the actual memo and it, it it makes it clear because I I wrote something about it today and somebody contacted me and said, they may not have voted on this yet. They, the way the memo reads, it's already in place. And it goes like this. If you fire your coach with two weeks left in the regular season, you can start interviewing assistants from other teams. If those teams give them permission to be interviewed, it would happen by zoom. It would be all virtual. But, Miles, this could, because we've seen no interim coaches yet, other than obviously what happened with the Raiders, which had nothing to do with wins and losses. But once these teams start falling off and we get closer and closer to the onset of Week 17, we may have a bunch of guys get fired before we get to the traditional firing cycle, because if one team gets a head start on interviewing these coaches who are with other teams, then Other teams are going to want to follow suit.
2: Of course they will. Yeah. I mean, we already know that the Raiders do have a head start. They've had months of a head start. And I know that there was that report at a CBS and said that they haven't really started doing anything yet, but I don't know. I'm just going to choose to believe that Mark Davis has at least done some sort of preliminary work on folks that he would like to talk to for not just head coach, but potentially other front office roles, because John Gruden was basically the football czar there in Las Vegas. So if there are teams that decide, yeah, we're going to want to move on from you, then maybe there is more of like a black Monday on that, you know, first Monday before on that week where teams can start talking to folks so that they can really start talking to assistants that are still with other teams. And now the other thing too, is if you've got a really big game that week, and I assume that Tuesday would be kind of that day because it's the player's day off where assistants get to talk to other teams. Is it going to be Tuesday or it's going to be like Friday in that late afternoon window, because that's usually when guys are kind of done for the week and they go home and that's the one day they spend with their family. So if there's going to be some sort of interview process there, if you're a team that's really in playoff contention, are you, you've got like a huge game that weekend because those last two weeks, I think are going to be pretty big for playoff implications. Are you really going to let somebody like, talk to another team, like, really, are you going to do that? I don't know. I mean, if you're maybe one of those teams that's already out of it, then you're going to allow that to happen, perhaps. Or if you are one of those teams that really likes to be able to say, yes, we can have our folks move up and move on to different organizations, and we are kind of a breeding ground for that, then, yeah, I guess that you might allow that, too. But it's going to create one of these interesting situations because also, at this point, there aren't really that many teams that are out of it. I mean, you've got Chicago where the writing seems like it's on the wall. But other than that, there's just not that many teams, Mike.
1: Well, and um, it's, it's funny because this is happening at a time when the, there's a push by some to delay everything until after the postseason has ended because it creates a very real distraction for the candidates. A very real distraction. And as someone explained it to, to me uh, last year, when you have an assistant coach who's getting these interviews and is under consideration for these jobs and let's say, you know, it's the game planning day for a playoff game and that's the day that the person has the interview. What's the main focus going to be? And when that person goes home to spouse or significant other, What's the question going to be every day? Is it going to be, hey, how's your preparation coming for your playoff game? Or is it going to be, hey, have you heard anything about this job you may get that may change our life dramatically? So there is reason to not build in these distractions. We hear all the time coaches talk about players being distracted, distracted, distracted. It's a hell of a distraction for the assistant coach who is looking at finally getting that thing that he has been trying to get his entire life at a time when he should be fully focused on finishing the job he currently has. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return – does Aaron Rodgers regret his I-own-you comments from his last meeting with the Bears? It's relevant because the Bears and the Packers get together on NBC this Sunday night. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Aaron, what kind of uh, trash talk, fun-loving or otherwise, or retribution do you think you might see from the Bears this week after the uh, uh, I-still-own-you comment? That comment was to the fans um, uh, who were giving me the bird. Um, But uh, but like this trash talk, uh, every single time you're playing divisional games, uh, you know, look, you know, trash talk is what it is. It's a it's a professional environment. It's not really a personal environment for the most part. Usually after the game, it's a it's all love and positivity. Uh, I don't know you can uh, you can question. A whole lot of what I said, you know, we've had a good record over the years against them and, and won a lot of games in soldier field and at Lambeau field. A lot of times in, in you know, situations like this, the trash talk is only able to be used if, uh, you know, if you're getting after that uh, individual that uh, that was trash talking. So in order to trash talk, you have to have a lot of confidence in uh, what you have accomplished and uh, what you're going to accomplish in the future. At some point, what I said will be used against me. That's just part of it, but I have no, uh, you know, No regrets for saying what I said, and, and uh, obviously I think the, the record kind of speaks for itself. But I get it. At some point, that will be used against me. It is what it is. I don't, I don't regret saying it at all.
1: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an example of a guy who's trying to put toothpaste back in the tube while also continuing to step on the tube as he's cleaning up the toothpaste.
2: Because what he's trying trying to, well, I don't think, I I don't know.
1: Here's here's what it comes down to. Here's what it comes down to. When you make a comment like that during meeting number one with a team that you're going to play again, you have to be cognizant of the fact that they're on the schedule later. And we know how this goes. Because I'll hear players and coaches say in interviews or whatever, oh, we don't pay attention to that crowd. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. They use anything they can to get themselves motivated. And I guarantee you this week, Matt Nagy is playing that clip of Aaron Rodgers screaming, I own you to the Bears fans when they last played. Whatever it takes to get the, that team ready to go and try to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field in primetime, which is going to be tough to do. So he's kind of trying to talk it back. And it's, it doesn't matter. Nothing he says now is going to change it. it. I said what I said. I said what I said. I was having fun. You know, it was in the moment and, you know, you don't like it. There's nothing else I can really tell you. That's the simplest explanation that he should have provided.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like he did do that. I don't know. As we, as I shout out our friend and colleague, Shereen Williams, I don't know that he was really trying to put the toothpaste back into the toothpaste holder because the fact <laughs> is he didn't say it, right? And like he's, he alluded to the fact that there's the record and the, that record is 21 and five over the Chicago bears in the regular season. Okay. So he kind of does own them. Like, it's not like it's not true. And so the other interesting thing about this, that man Nagy said in his press conference today when he was asked about those comments, he goes, we're aware of it. And that was pretty much all he said. And then he said, oh, you know, well, we haven't done well enough against the Packers in my time here or something else like that. But... They're obviously, yes, very well aware of it. And so it's like how Nick Saban talks about, oh, the media just gives us rat poison. like, And then last week he was like, oh, that rat poison was yummy because everybody was ostensibly talking about how good Georgia was and not how good Alabama is, right? So this is the same sort of thing. Rat poison, bulletin board material, whatever exactly it is you want to call it. Sure, Rogers has provided some for the Chicago Bears but I don't think he really cares because he's going to go out there. Even if he doesn't practice this week with that fractured pinky toe, and he's probably going to go out there and kick their ass. Like, I just, I don't think that that's, you know, something that's not true.
1: See part of the psychology then is he needs to hope that they say something that he can then use to make himself even more motivated. And frankly from the Packers I don't think perspective it, I if Chase and, and I'm 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 just I'm playing around. They have the ultimate motivation and that is get home field advantage throughout the yes. playoffs so you can force teams like the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, the Cardinals to come to you at Lambeau Field and you don't have to go to them, because the later these games will now be, and the NFC Championship now set for January 30 because of the extra regular season game, it's more important than ever to get that number one seed. All right. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Pitt quarterback, one of the top prospects in this year's draft class, plays for Pitt. They won the ACC Championship. That gave them a berth in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl to be played on December 30 against Michigan State. Here is Kenny Pickett from Dan Patrick's show earlier today on whether or not he will actually play in one final college football game.
0: Are you playing in the Peach Bowl? Well, with, you know, recent news and, and out of, you know, our team with Coach Whipple and everybody, you know, um, I actually just got home yesterday and I didn't get a chance to talk about it with my parents Um, Just kind of enjoying the season and and getting a chance to see some family who haven't been around in in a a long time. So, uh, But definitely I'll be talking about that with my family here soon. So you're undecided? I'd say undecided right now, yes. I go back six years ago with Christian McCaffrey, and he sat out a bowl game, and everybody was up in arms. And then Leonard Fournette sat out, didn't play in a bowl game. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon's probably not going to play in a bowl game. We haven't seen quarterbacks, I don't think, do it. But I understand,
1: like, what is the risk and the reward for you playing in the Peach Bowl? Like, what do you think you could gain by playing in the Peach Bowl? Right, I mean, I'm going to
0: be honest, it's something I haven't, you know, sat down and, and discussed with my family. It's been a kind of a crazy past couple of days, um, you know, getting the Johnny Unitas news and, and the Heisman news. And it's just been kind of a, a whirlwind of two days and driving back to New Jersey. So um, I think, you know, th- these next couple of days I'll be able to sit down and, and really figure that out.
1: you know we've seen this trend in recent years and Dan Patrick mentioned guys like Christian McCaffrey Leonard Fournette they were among the early adopters of this idea of I'm not going to play in that one last game I'm not going to do it I'm making a business decision and ultimately that's what I support if you choose to play if you don't choose to play as long as it is the product of the kind of business decision that college football players were denied for far too long everybody else connected to the sport is making business decisions all the time the idea that the players dare not make a business decision that runs against loyalty and finishing what you started. And boy, I really want my team to win that bowl game. And I hope to have my best teams available. And if one of the star players who has a future in the NFL breaks his leg and screws it up, sucks for him, but I want to win. I'm glad that we're getting to the point where it's, it's not, it's news because he may not play, but it's not the sky is falling and what's the world coming to. And, No, it's fair and it's appropriate for Kenny Pickett to make a business decision about what he's going to do, as every college player who is on the cusp of going to the NFL should. For some, it makes sense to play in the game. You can increase your draft stock. For others, the hay's in the barn, and I'm not going to risk breaking my leg trying to cram any more hay into the barn.
2: Yeah, you know, and for for guys like like that, I I always think of just Jalen Smith and what happened to him at Notre Dame in that bowl game against Ohio State where it really was a devastating knee injury. It took him out. For his entire first season, and I remember being with the Rams and some people talking about how they thought that he might never play football again. And fortunately, he was able to not just come in and play football for the Cowboys, but play at a high level for a number of years. So I think from that standpoint, especially if you're a quarterback and anytime you go out there, right, you have the ball on every single offensive play. Yeah, it's a pretty huge injury risk. And so for somebody like Kenny Pickett, I. I feel like it's probably more valuable from a business decision standpoint if he goes and he competes at the Senior Bowl. I was looking it up. I don't know if he's actually accepted that Senior Bowl invitation yet. But if he goes and he does that and he's getting NFL uh, coaching instruction for a few days, he's in front of basically all kinds of scouts and general managers and different personnel folks like that, that probably is going to be more valuable to him in terms of his NFL draft stock than it would be for him to play and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which sounds like a fun event to attend. But like, like I said, I just, for his professional stock, for his business decisions, the Senior Bowl was super important. That's one of the reasons why Carson Wentz was able to elevate himself to a top two uh, NFL draft pick and why, you know, guys go to that because they are in front of NFL evaluators than getting NFL instruction. That, to me, is a more pertinent business decision than playing in a bowl game.
1: And, and and look, here's the bottom line. These players owe the institution at that point nothing. They have nothing. paid their debt in yeah. full, especially the ones that are viewed as being so good that we have to have them play in the bowl game. That means they've already done more than enough. They've earned their scholarship and then some. And we need to keep that in mind. And you would feel that way. Anybody out there who's saying, what are you talking about? You're crazy. If it was your your son, your brother, your nephew, whoever, you'd feel the same way too. If you felt like... He hadn't gotten fair value yet for what he's given to the school, and now he's on the brink of getting full and fair value from a pro team. You're not going to put that at risk. There's no insurance policy that's ever going to make you feel good enough to put that at risk. So I support it if that's a decision you make. But it's a decision that the player, in consultation with his family, representation, advisors, et cetera, you have to make the right decision for you. I'm just glad that the guys who are the ones that people are paying and watching play college football, are able to finally make business decisions. Um, All right, we're making a business decision to take a break. When we return, we are going to, I believe, make an effort at predicting what the playoff trees are going to look like five weeks from now when the postseason begins. We'll do that next here on PFTC. Now is the perfect time for Steve Kornacki to make his return to football night in America because it is getting Complicated and convoluted, and very exciting as we try to figure out the seven teams that are going to make it, the percentage chances of making it. And each week is going to have a dramatic impact on what the percentages will be the following week. Karnacki returns to football night in America this week. So, what we're going to do, we're going to have a little fun here. We always like to have some fun. We have our projected really? as of right now, and it's subject to change. We have I'm hurt that you would say that. You don't have fun? This isn't fun for you?
2: Why do you do it if it's not fun? I ask myself that every day. No,
1: just kidding. My anyway, love. we've got our seven <laughs> seeds projected for each conference. I'm hurt by that. We'll start with the NFC. Miles, who are your seven that you would say right now? Not if it ended today. We know we can figure that out. But who do you believe when it ends five weeks from now will be the seven seeds and we start with the NFC? Did we decide to start yes. with the NFC? NFC, here we go. All
2: right, so it's almost chalk, which I think is a little bit boring, but when you look at all of the different schedules, here are, here's how I think it plays out. You got Cardinals up top. They stay with the one seed and get the only buy. I think the Packers are going to continue to play well, and even if... The Packers, you know, they could they have a slip up against maybe Baltimore, against Cleveland, perhaps on Christmas night, or against Minnesota. I just, I don't see them slipping any further than the two seed. The Cowboys and the Buccaneers are probably going to stay where they are, too. The Rams as well. I think that the 49ers seem like they're really playing well at this point. I know they just lost to Seattle, but it looks like they might get Debo Samuel back this week. Fred Warner also could come back. They could go 3-2 and over their last uh, five games, finish 9-8. and And then I think the Eagles are going to sneak in there, and Washington is going to be out. And I'll tell you what. I just – I don't believe in Taylor Heineke. I just don't. And maybe I should. And I think he's probably shown enough that we can feel decent about him. I just don't I don't believe in him as much as I would believe in Jalen Hurts and getting it done in crunch time because he's got that championship experience having played at Alabama. All right. And maybe I'm making too much of that. But I think that if the Eagles can play the way they play, they're probably a little bit better. And have a little bit easier time of getting into the playoffs than Washington would.
1: Well, and Jalen Hurts' championship experience at Alabama doesn't include being on the bench for one championship, and maybe that would be the better option right now for the Eagles. I know plenty of fans Ooh. want to see Gardner Minshew continue what he started. <laughs> Ooh, Burn. Oh. Ooh, Burn, baby. Man. Um, I, I I, like Washington, not necessarily because of Heineken, but because of Ron Rivera. Because I think he's done some great things, Thanks. and he should be in consideration for Coach of the Year, frankly. I've got the Packers catching the Cardinals. Now, all they have to do is make up one game in a head-to-head tiebreaker. I don't know what would happen. I haven't looked at the the numbers if you've got – the Packers Cardinals and Bucks all finishing first because the, the Packers and the Bucks didn't play this season and won't play this season but the Packers do have the head-to-head edge over Arizona so I've got Packers one Cardinals two then the Bucks Cowboys fending off Washington remember Washington's got two paths to the postseason either a wild card or catching the Cowboys they're two games back and they play them twice down the stretch Rams at the five seed Washington six 49 or seven that's how I see it right now and uh uh, you know, who knows? So that, that's what's so fun about this season. Who the hell knows how it's going to play out? But we're pretty much on the same page. We just disagree on the top two seeds and Washington versus Philadelphia. Let's fold over to the AFC miles. Tell me what you have there.
2: I've got pretty much chalk over here too, and it is it's exactly the way that it looks right now because I don't think that the Patriots are going to lose another game. They've only got four left after their bye this week at Indy versus Buffalo versus Jacksonville and then versus Miami. Or excuse me, at Miami to end it. I don't see them losing. I think they're going to be the number one seed, and if he's going to have to go through New England, which oh my goodness, I don't know that we ever thought that it would be just a year removed from Tom Brady that we'd have to say that again. But the Titans, I think they're getting healthier. They're going to get Julio Jones back. I think that's going to be big. I think that they're one of the two elite teams in the AFC. And you got Chiefs, Ravens. Ravens are a little bit in shambles, but I think that they'll win their division, kind of like Pittsburgh did last year. But I think Cincinnati can go 3-2 and two over their last five. Chargers also going 3-2 and two over their last five. And Buffalo also going 3-2 and two over their last five. And that would shut pretty much everyone else out. And Buffalo, though, is the one that's a little bit because they're at Tampa Bay versus Carolina, at New England versus Atlanta, and then versus the Jets to end the season. So if things start to continue to go south as they sort of have started to with um, the Buffalo Bills right there, I mean, they're unraveling after press conferences. You've got Sean McDermott really criticizing Brian Dayball on the offensive game plan. Who knows what's going to happen if they lose to Tampa Bay this week? But I still think that they've got enough juice to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, look, I've got pretty much the same structure you do with a few tweaks. I have the Chiefs as the two seed over the Titans. I've got the Chargers as the five, Bills as the six, And Bengals as the seven that win by L.A. over Cincinnati this week will go a long way toward, I think, propelling the Chargers, although they got a problem now. Keenan Allen's on the COVID reserve list. Mike Williams is on the COVID reserve list. Chris Harris Jr. is on the COVID reserve list. They may have some guys missing uh, from uh, their next game. But uh, that looks like the way it's going to be. I can't write off the Steelers, though, and this probably plays into the Steelers hands for both of us to have them off the list. Because they are the most dangerous when you are trying to throw dirt on their prospects. So uh, I won't be surprised if they end up crashing the party if more and more people in the media are omitting them miles from the projection
2: oh yeah I mean they start playing renegade they wave those stupid towels and then all of a sudden boom you know they're gonna be right there in that playoff picture as long as T.J. Watt stays healthy stupid and towels stays here. Of, yeah I know well I have to call it a stupid towel based on the helmet that's behind me right so I, I think that if they can continue <laughs> to play well and T.J. Watt continues to kind of vaunt himself into that MVP conversation then yeah there's no reason why they can't be a part of the playoff picture, but that that would also depend on one of these other teams falling off. And just based on the way their records are right now, I'm not sure exactly who's going to finish the season, you know, two and three or one and four from, from those three teams.
1: Browns at Steelers, January 3, week 17, the final Monday night game of the year, and Ben Roethlisberger's final home game for the Steelers. There may be a few of those stupid towels in the air that night. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll answer some of your questions when PFTPM continues right after this. I feel like I should do this in one of those old-time radio voices, but here it was, December 8, 1940. NFL championship game, Chicago versus Washington at Griffith Stadium. It was the most lopsided victory in NFL history, 73 to nothing. The Bears had seven rushing touchdowns and three pick sixes. The game was broadcast on radio by Mutual Broadcasting System, the first NFL title game that was broadcast nationwide. That was, good God, 81 years ago today 73 nothing congratulations to the chicago bears all right time to answer some questions andrew life andrew life there we go 44 duke and jason garrett have mutual interest for the head coaching position is this a good fit miles what do you think
2: Uh, You know, what's interesting, Mike, Jason Garrett went to my rival high school uh, in Cleveland in the Cleveland suburbs university school before he went to Princeton there. So I don't know how much credit I should give to Jason Garrett for anything just because he went to that school up north, as we call it. But, you know, if he wants to go to Duke and he wants to, you know, give more instruction to young men, this could be something that works out either very well for Duke or it could be like Illinois with uh, Lovey Smith, where it was just like, oh, yeah. Levy Smith is coaching in college. That's kind of weird. I I don't know. I I think Jason Garrett could still get another NFL job doing something.
1: I'm curious what the motivation here is. Is he just done with the NFL after getting fired by the Cowboys and fired midseason second year with the Giants, and he just wants out? Does he see turning Duke around as some sort of a path back to the NFL? If he goes to Duke and he turns them into an ACC powerhouse or something like that, I don't know. But – Guy wants to work. I, I got to give him credit. Surely he's got a contract that extended beyond this season, and he could have just taken a year off and gotten paid. Oh, that's that's an unfortunate picture and gotten paid. <laughs> Jason Garrett, mid loogie. Uh, but
2: uh... <laughs> he could have gone on TV probably too, right? Former I mean, all, all Cowboys yeah. doing stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. if he really wants a cushy job, I mean, you know, isn't ESPN still looking for somebody to be the quarterback guru since? The one that used to coach the Raiders is now, you know, uh, off, you know, doing something to protect his bones somewhere. I don't know.
1: Well, I I think that uh, it makes sense. And you know, what the heck, the guy wants to work and he wants to try to help shape young men at an impressionable age. And uh, it it could be perfect. We'll see. We'll find out. You know, I remember when Pete Carroll went to USC, people were like, Oh man, he stunk as an NFL head coach. Well he used that to become one of the best college coaches of his time. And then ultimately, A great coach for the past decade plus with the Seahawks. New York Nick asks this. Justin Fields will start at Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. Is it a good idea to start him? Any concern about his health behind that weak offensive line? He had the cracked ribs. He's missed a little time. Andy Dalton has played. Didn't play well this past weekend against the Cardinals. Are you comfortable with Justin Fields on Sunday Night Football?
2: Well, I think he gives them the best chance to win, right? And if you're Matt Nagy and he's medically cleared and you've now got questions about Andy Dalton's health, I mean, do you want to see Nick Foles out there or would you rather at least have the rookie get out there? And then if, if something happens where you lose, which I mean, let's be honest, is probably going to happen, that you can say, well, you know, Justin Fields has gotten his first experience playing in Lambeau and he's going to be better for it. So I, if he's healthy and he's medically cleared, I, I say you should probably play.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he's medically cleared, then there's there's no reason to hold him back. And doctors are more sensitive than ever before. This isn't like the 70s and the 80s where, you know, you're okay, it's just a bruise, and the doctors are under relentless pressure to clear guys. There There, there is an institutional sense within the teams. That if a guy's not ready to go, he's not going to go. Look at what Brandon Staley did this past weekend with Joey Bosa. He was cleared to return from a, a potential concussion. No concussion. He's fine. He's good to go. Brandon Staley said, I'm not doing it. So if they're putting him on the field, that means he's good enough to go. And let's see what he can do. It makes makes for a more exciting Sunday night game. You know, I, I, I do radio in Chicago twice a week on WSCR, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And they're dreading this game. It's like, you never know what's going to happen. Haven't we learned this year of all years that you don't know what's going to happen? And I'm not just selling it to placate our corporate overlords. You really don't know what's going to happen. There's only one way to find out. Let's watch the game there. Do I, you think I get my paycheck now?
2: I hope so. And listen, the Packers have a clunker at least once or twice a year, so this could be one of them. Who knows?
1: See you tomorrow. Thanks for some of your time.